Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Christ Jesus died for all of your sins. Every last one of them. Not a single one of your transgressions is beyond the scope of his forgiveness. The cross reaches them all, even those you've yet to commit. Perhaps you heard Jeremiah's list of sins in our Old Testament reading and thought of your own transgressions. Where did your mind go? Were you thinking about how too often in your life convenience and self-gain has trumped justice toward others? Or how you're guilty of oppressing your neighbor, be it a traveler or a father or a widow? Or were you thinking about your participation in the shedding of innocent blood? That you serve the false gods of self, choice, money, and pleasure? What was it that you stole that filled your mind during the Old Testament reading? Were you thinking of the murderous hatred in your heart or lamenting how you've committed adultery, sex outside of marriage, pornography, even your lustful eye that wanders? It's all adulterous. Adultery is akin to idolatry. Or were you thinking about how you cannot stop lying, embellishing the truth, exaggerating it, omitting certain details from it, or passing on rumors and slanderous gossip. This is the list that Jeremiah presented us. My friends, our Lord Jesus Christ died for all of these sins, all of your abominations, and more. Repent, And stop doing them. It's that easy. Trust in Jesus. He's washed them away. That's what baptism is for. That's what confession is for. That's what the Lord's Supper is for. Glory be to God. Believe in the mercy of Christ. He is merciful. And therein you can say rightly, not like those who are unfaithful in Jeremiah's day, but rightly you can say, we are delivered, truly. In baptism, the Holy Spirit washed you clean with the blood of Jesus. And he's given you the ability to amend your ways. So repent of your sins and trust in Christ's cross. In today's gospel text, we find all of these sins and more, all of the abominations we commit combined into one. Back in 1532, when Martin Luther preached on our gospel reading, Luke 19, 41 to 48, he said this, learn well the lesson of this text. The sin which God considers the greatest sin of all, the one that he tolerates less than any other, is the sin of his people not acknowledging his day of judgment. Here, Luther says, God lumps all sins into one and addresses only our sin of living in a false sense of security. 
of not only disregarding all the warnings and admonitions of the prophets, but of even persecuting the prophets whom he sends to warn us and admonish us. And this is our focus for today. The sin of disregarding God's judgment day and the sin of allowing others in our lives that same sense of false security. This sin is seen in our lives by how we keep living with our sin. Like it's no big deal. Like our sins don't grieve our Father in heaven. They don't frustrate Him and anger Him. It's Romans 6 stuff. Are we to continue in sin, Paul asks, that grace may abound? And then he answers, by no means. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. But, he says, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members, your body, to God as instruments of righteousness, instruments of faithfulness. To take God's grace for granted is to abuse what has been freely and lovingly given to us. It cheapens it. It takes free grace and makes it cheap grace. It mocks it. Do not be deceived, my friends. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 7-8. True security is found in Christ Jesus. It's the security that longs for and prays for the coming of Judgment Day. That's the Christian security. The the, the security that says, come Lord, come quickly. I'm ready to face the judge because I know where I'm going. I know I've been declared innocent. I'm not afraid of Judgment Day because of the cross. That's true security. False security says, oh no, not quite yet, Lord. Not quite yet. I don't want to face the maker just today because I don't know where I'm going. It's a security. The true security is knowing that you're forgiven, that you've been baptized into Jesus' death, which means you've been baptized into his bodily resurrection. Like he got up, you'll get up. It's the security of wanting to hear God's law. Yes, his law and his gospel. So you know how to live. And that forgiveness is yours when you fail to live that way. It's the security of receiving the Lord's body and blood in his supper and proclaiming until he returns that he died in my place. Saying that for yourself. Every time you take communion, saying this could have been me, but he died in my place. He jumped in front of that firing squad He sat down in that electric chair. He went into that gas chamber. He got that lethal injection. He hung on that cross in my place. Knowing all your sins, 
no matter how bad they may be, have been atoned for, punished already. Your judgment day has already arrived. The cross is the day of judgment for those who believe. For those who reject it, they're just living in a delayed denial. For the cross is their judgment too. They just haven't caught up to it yet. But the cross is where our true sense of security lies. It's acknowledging sin and knowing that your God promised to deal with it according to Christ's crucifixion on judgment day. That because of Christ's crucifixion, you will be judged innocent. But that isn't how we or our neighbors live, is it? Not usually. We're all living as if judgment day is never coming. It's why we keep sinning when we know it's wrong. And why we as Christians, when we see sinners living unrepentant lives and know that they're headed for hell if they do not amend their ways and deeds, as Jeremiah says, remain silent. Don't speak up. Contrary to popular belief, my friends, it isn't unloving to shed the light of God on sin when you see it in the lives of your neighbors. To remain silent and let your neighbor have a false sense of security, knowing that he will be judged by God if he doesn't amend his ways and deeds, if he doesn't repent of his sin and cling to Christ on the cross, that is unloving. To not bring him into repentance if you have the ability is unloving only reason you're alive is to serve God by serving your neighbor in righteousness, faithfulness, to proclaim the law and the gospel, to bring your people God's word so that they will repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. That's why God put you in their lives, into particular lives, that you can relate to, that you have intimate knowledge of. In baptism, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon you and each of you became a prophet of God. Or do you not know what Peter said about Joel's prophecy? No? Let me tell you. It's awesome. Acts 2, 17 to 18. Here's what it says. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they all shall prophesy. In baptism, you were called to be prophets in the lives of your loved ones, in the lives of your neighbors, the clerk at the grocery store that you bump into, you're her prophet. You were called to say to these people, God declares in the way only you can as one of them, one of your people. You are the Jeremiah sent by God to your friends and your family to your, your neighbors, everyone you interact with. When we see our neighbors sinning 
We're to say like Jeremiah did, amend your ways and your deeds. And God will let you dwell in his place. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the traveler, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood, and if you do not go after false gods to your own harm, then God will let you dwell in his place to come, the new heavens and the new earth. This is why Jesus lived and died to be your savior and to prepare for us a place in his father's house that we could be with him. Now, will your people disregard your words? Indeed, probably, most of them. Will you be persecuted? Christ said so. But what's that to us? What's it matter? For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 1 Corinthians 4.17 So how will they disregard you when you speak up? The same way that you're tempted to disregard God's word when you hear it. That's why you're the perfect prophet for your people. You know how you deceive yourself and how they're inclined to deceive themselves. But one primary way that we all deflect God's word is by twisting it, misinterpreting it, and misusing it. It's Satan's main trick. And I think most of you know one of his favorite distortions. Jesus' words, judge not, lest you be judged. This is the, Satan's favorite word to twist. It's the, de- the defense that most people put up when we say, you know, that's not good for you. You should, probably shouldn't sin like that. Oh, who are you to judge? Judge not, lest you be judged. It's intended to silence us, to mute the prophet. But let me ask you, Are you judging anyone when you recognize their sin and you bring it to their attention lovingly, humbly, and recognizing you yourself are a sinner too? No, you're not. Did you come up with the Ten Commandments? Are they your word? Is it your judgment that decided what was good behavior and bad bad behavior? No. It's God's judgment, not yours. He revealed His will. You're not revealing your will. He judged theft to be sinful. He declared murder in all of its forms to be wrong. It's God's word. It's not our word that says do not commit adultery. Do not worship false gods. Do not shed innocent blood. None of us said that stuff. No. That's God's judgment. You're nothing but a parrot. You're parroting his word. You're a child repeating what dad says for your sibling out of love. Throughout the history of the world, God has chosen to use men to call other men to repentant faith. That is to declare his judgment, but not to beat people up with it. No. So people see what's right and wrong and no one would perish everyone would live perfectly so that we could amend our ways and be good examples for others. God's prophets never speak their own judgment. That's what false prophets do. 
God's prophets say, even when it's not popular, what he says. Our mouths are only filled with his word, his judgment. You are simply messengers of the truth. Jeremiah's hearers were trusting in deceptive words, we hear. They had a false sense of security. Our hearers do too. We do too. We've already acknowledged that. We dupe ourselves into a false sense of security. It's, it's like the smoker, right? You can't tell that you're hurting yourself at first because you can't see your lungs. And so you smoke and you smoke and you smoke. And all of a sudden you're like, man, why do I have lung cancer? Right? <laughs> like, it's a long time coming. And that's what allows you to keep going. But when you're staring down the bullet, the barrel of a gun, looking at the bullet in the chamber, you're like, oh, okay, never mind, I'm done, right? Exactly. God has been patient with us. He's waiting, he's delaying judgment day so that more people will come to believe in him. But what the ungodly are doing, what we ourselves do in our sin, is we convince ourselves that judgment day is never coming, so let's just party and have a good time. I can get away with this, no one saw. I can get away with that, no one saw. And we become emboldened in it. And before we know it, we look back and we've been living a horribly sinful life, unamended, because no one pointed it out. Because they're all doing the same thing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught in that position. I would rather someone in the beginning say, hey, that's sinful, you should probably stop doing that. Or, Are you sure you're, under, you're okay with that? That might not be the best decision. Or even 20 years into it, have someone say, oh, buddy, do you know that was wrong? I might want to kill the messenger at first, but someday down the road, I'll be thankful. I'll be thankful. So what's your action item? Well, Luther said, do not just listen to what God says and then fail to improve the way you live, sinning the same way you did before. That's stupid. He didn't say that, I said that. <laughs> So regardless of what anyone says or does, the punishment for that sin will most certainly come. Luther says, even if it may be a long time coming, no one who despises God's word will escape punishment. And that's what sin is. We don't like that language. That language seems very strict to us, despising God's word. That's the, that's the word for it. When you, when you know what dad says, don't take the keys to the car, and you take the keys, you just despised what dad said, right? You didn't like it. So you did it anyway. That's, that's us. So we repent of our sins. And we diligently work to amend our ways. It's a sin to ignore the coming of judgment day. To not serve our neighbor in amending his ways. So the action item is simple. Repent of deceiving yourselves. You are your own worst enemy. You deceive yourselves daily as you justify your sinful actions. Repent of remaining silent in the face of sin. Remember your baptism. Focus on your sins first. That you're, remember that you're forgiven of them. That you have received the Holy Spirit, not just as some nicety. That's not just some fact. Don't just think, oh, I got the Holy Spirit living in my heart. He's not just kicked back. He's not sitting in a lazy boy somewhere deep inside your soul. He's in your heart for a reason. You now have the power. You now have the ability to do things you could never do before. What sins are you wrestling with? What bad choices can you not stop making? 
It's Romans 7 stuff now. Paul says, oh, the thing I do, I don't want to be doing, but I do the very thing I don't want to do. And all this kind of like talks in this, oh, I wish someone would help me stop doing these bad things. The Spirit does that. Rely on the Spirit. He's in you for a reason. He gives you the power. He's quickened you. He's made you strong. Are you going to be able to resist those sins all the time? No. Is it going to take a process? Yes. You're going to be working on it until judgment day comes. But you have the ability to amend your ways. And you have the gospel for when you can't. You have the gospel for when you, no matter what you do, you keep falling into that. The gospel says you are forgiven. So repent of deceiving yourselves. Trust in your baptism. And live as the Christians you are. Live as those who are forgiven. Live as the men and women you've been made into. Fully free of all your trespasses. Fully free of the chains that weigh you down. Be you. Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Amen.